Don't shake your fist at me. I thought we were friends. <laughs> and the home of the brave. Welcome to episode 31 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey. It's hockey in sneakers. 31 is a number that's very near and dear to my heart personally. It's something that goes back a a few years, reaching into my childhood, something that I grew up with, something very special to me. I can think back to uh, just, you know, spending time with my family, enjoying the benefits that the number 31 provided me. Of course, I'm talking about Baskin and Robbins. The uh, 31 flavors, ice cream, oh, those days that I can uh, I can remember going in and getting hot fudge sundaes and pralines and cream, my favorite ice cream. Oh, delicious. Um, uh, <laughs> James is laughing at me. You, you haven't heard James because he hasn't made his presence known yet, but he's laughing at me because, of course, he thought I was going to reference Mike Piazza, who is... <laughs> Uh, the New York Mets Hall of Fame catcher, who is famously number 31 and who we have mentioned on the podcast in uh, the last few weeks. So um, that's a little bait and switch for you there, James. I was setting you up and then jacked the carpet out from under you. So uh, <laughs> how are you, sir? I'm doing okay. Thank you. Uh, the reason why you couldn't hear me was that because when you yanked that carpet out from under me, I fell flat on my back. So oh, well done, sir. I really did enough. not see that coming yeah. at all. So. <laughs> That was a, in, in terms of baseball scenarios, that was a breaking ball and, and my knees buckled and I just didn't see it coming. Just put my head down and walk back to the dugout with a strike three. So Plus, if job. we can secure some kind of Baskin Robbins sponsorship for the show, oh, that would be delicious. See what I did there? Ha 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 ha! Ah, I got a million of them. Oh! All right, all right, all right. How are you, James? I'm doing well and yourself, sir. I am doing all right. You know, another week, another podcast. Happy to be talking to you for the benefit of our loyal listeners. Am I stealing that? I mean, loyal listeners was always a thing for uh, CBS FM here in New York, the oldies station. Well, it's not oldies anymore, but, you know, they always talked about their loyal listeners, and that's something I grew up on, so I feel like I'm kind of ripping them off. Although, since CBS FM hasn't really been CBS FM for so many years, uh, maybe I don't feel that bad about it. I don't think you can copyright that. So loyal listeners are fans of podcasts and radio shows. So that's all up for grabs. I guess it sounds better than dedicated consumers of our product. Definitely, yes. Rolls off the tongue a bit better anyway. It does. It really does. Why don't we introduce ourselves? So in case you've forgotten, or if you happen to be new, we will jump into tonight's starting lineup. And for tonight's starting lineup, in goal, I am number 35, the American Rhino, Gary McComiskey, and my stalwart co-host and partner. On defense, number four, I'm James Sajazi. 
Yes, sir. And James to Jay-Z, would you be ever so kind as to grace us with what is on deck for this particular podcast? Yes, sir. Thank you. The decks of hazard. Breaker one, breaker one, we might be crazy, but we ain't dumb crazy. Rhino and BB Fury coming at you. Anyone on the hit the deck neck got your ears on? Come on. If you took our advice a few podcasts ago and either joined or started your own deck hockey league, here are some pitfalls you need to avoid in order to have a fun and safe time. Gear bag. For defensemen and forwards, we'll talk about the Tour Spartan Pro Roller Hockey Pants. And for the keepers of the goal, the American Rhino will tell us all about his unique setup. And hockey in the news. It's said that everyone deserves a second chance. An article from September 26th, The Wall Street Journal, written by Vipal Monga, says maybe everything deserves a second chance, too. And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. You are very welcome, sir. All right. Ooh, this is an exciting podcast indeed. And and I I appreciate that, uh, that like... The CB talk? Yes, thank you. CB radio. I, I'm the listener can't see, but I'm waving my right hand up and down for some reason as if that's going to tell me uh, what it was. I couldn't think of CB radio, but yes, thank you for that CB radio impression. That was highly entertaining. I appreciate that. Yeah, well, growing up as a Dukes of Hazard fan, which I've made no bones about on this podcast many a time, I kind of had uh, experience doing the CB thing. And last week, too, there was a really cool special on the making of Smokey and the Bandit. So mm-hmm. I've just kind of been in my little southern mood lately, which I grew up in Brooklyn and have nothing to do with the South whatsoever except for those things. Well, the South of Brooklyn? That's true. Yeah, it is the Southwest of Brooklyn, but that's we're still considered the Northerners. Yeah. Can you uh, explain the BB Fury? I mean, I personally understand the Fury bit, but just would you mind uh, explaining BB Fury for us, please? Yeah, sure. For another pop culture thing, and I believe we did mention this movie in the past, there was, uh, and speaking of Brooklyn and Coney Island specifically, there was a movie in 1979, I believe it came out, called The Warriors. Mm. And it's become a very big cult classic because of just various reasons. But uh, the premise of the movie is that they're a bunch of gangs And one gang known as the Warriors, who are based in Coney Island, they had to make their way back from Manhattan, which, or I think it was the Bronx or Yonkers or something. They had to go all the way up. And this was just, they were using subways, by the way. They couldn't use any cars or carjacking or anything like that. They were good, good, bad kids. So they had to make their way back home after being framed for killing the head goon leader gang guy. So they had to avoid every other gang on their way back. One of the gangs being the BB Furies, which were known as the Baseball Furies. And they were in Manhattan and carried baseball bats and had their uniforms and things like that. So in our St. John's days, I didn't like saying my name because it doesn't roll off the tongue, as you may have figured out here on Hit the Deck. So no, no, David Jay-Z, it's a, fine. It, right, yeah. People have thought I've said my name was David Jay-Z. So the two S's back to back, it's just my own problem. I speech impediment or whatever you want to call it. So it doesn't flow well, at least for me. So I wanted to come up with a decent radio name and figured, let me borrow the Baseball Furies and steal it for my own. So that's where the BB Fury came in. And I thought it was easier for the CB thing. And it just sounded better. So that's my horrible, long-winded explanation. Jimbo, come out and play. And by that, I mean deck hockey. Come out and play deck hockey because that's what we're talking about. Well done, sir. That was brilliant. 
It was your thing. I was just kind of playing off of it. Anyway, uh, yes. So thank you for that explanation. That makes a lot sure. of sense. Okay, good. And of course, I am a crazy rhino because I am a crazy rhino. That's right. Well, the other thing that I ripped off was from the Dukes of Hazard. That was basically one of the characters, Cooter Davenport. Mm. That's how he'd always address the Duke boys or, well, yeah, mostly the Duke boys. He'd do the breaker one, breaker one. He may be crazy, but he ain't dumb. Crazy sure. Cooter coming at you on the hazard net. So that's all. I, I'm just ripping things off left and right. So I apologize if we get in copyright infringements and I will take the fall for that. The hazard net sounds like a like a knockoff of Terminator, something from Terminator, like uh, you know a a, a Southern Hick uh, kind of version of Skynet. Well, the, the Dukes did precede the Terminator, but since the Terminator was a time travel movie, and James Cameron thinks that time travel is a circle and not linear, who knows? Actually, you know what? HazardNet sounds like a ISP disk that you would get in the 90s. Like, uh, you know, for like AOL or Prodigy or something, you can subscribe to HazardNet and uh, you can get on the Southern email. I don't know. The Dukes of Hazard were ahead of their time in a lot of ways. Why do you let me that... talk, James? Why do you let me talk? Because this is your podcast. This is our podcast. Right. <laughs> we're not going I... to get into this again. Right. All right. Yeah. The the, the whole well, just the last thing about at least my point on on the Dukes and and the hazard net was that's exactly what it was. It was the CB world. So at the time, this was way before cell phones and things of that nature. So specifically truckers would use the CB to communicate with one another and the southern culture. They did the same thing. So it was kind of fun to see them use those uh, CBs to get themselves in and out of trouble and, and communicate with one another immediately. And that's what the hazard net was. It was people all over Hazard County with their ears on saying that their CBs were on and able to listen to what was going on out there. And good old boys, as the song recommends or, or suggests, they're just two good old boys and good old boys and good old girls. All they want to do is help each other and do the right thing. And that's what the show was all about. So we need more shows like that. But anyway, that's the whole explanation for the hazard net and uh, ripping off Cooter and and whatever else I ripped off. Oh, yeah. The uh, the Warriors. Welcome. You've got hog. Dem dukes, dem dukes. All right. Oh, so clunk a call. We, we were talking some about setting up a deck hockey league. Yes, that's right. Uh, rule number one. All right. Don't ramble on like this. Rule number two <laughs> is uh, really agree on a set of rules and know the rules. Now, Gary and I have talked about this in the past, that there are governing rules, believe it or not, to deck hockey. Mm. And I believe Milek is one of the uh, forefronts of the rules on deck hockey. Yeah, they literally wrote the book. Right. So when you are in a league or if you're going to start your own, just... If you're not going to go exactly by the Milek rules or the other rules that are out there, just all agree to allow or disallow slap shots, make clear the offside rules. So what that means is that if you don't have a red line and uh, people are playing for the first time or if it's more casual, at least prevent another player from screening your goalie all game long because that's just not fun Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why they have the offside rule in hockey is so that you can't do that. So you don't have to be as specific as the NHL is. So we've seen that many a time in various leagues that we've played in and tournaments we've played in. 
But at minimum, just make sure that one guy or at least everybody's coming back and forth at one point and the opposing team doesn't have one guy standing in front of your goalie all the time. That, yeah. That's all. Okay. And uh, preferably have timed periods, hopefully with a ref, if not at least having a timekeeper there who can proceed on uh, what the time is left and, and could just see if a goal is good or not and things of that nature. It just makes things a lot easier and uh, flow quicker as well. Yeah, uh, we've played with both timed periods and with uh, just like the winner is the first to however many goals. And I can say that the timed periods are much more competitive and and the intensity level goes way up because you know you only have a set amount of time to win the game and you really have to maximize every minute out there and and it's it's a lot of fun it really is yeah i totally agree and we really appreciate what gary has done for our league too is that he's turned his iphone into a little timekeeper with a voice announcer and everything so you know when there's 30 seconds for the face-off there's two minutes uh, intervals for intermissions between periods it's six minutes nonstop running, and you even put it so that you have the, uh, the the horn sounding to start the period. And the best part is Gary even somehow how you did this is genius. You did the last minute of play of the period, so that's when you know to go all out if you're up by a goal or if you're down by a goal, and it really helps things a lot, and I agree 100%. I definitely prefer – the timed periods as opposed to saying, all right, whoever gets to seven goals first wins mm-hmm. because it, at least you can pace yourself a little bit more and you know when you need to turn it on into another gear or just lay back and kind of avoid injury and things of that nature. Yeah, so if you're interested in something like that, I'm not going to go into the whole complicated bit because I did have to kind of get creative with this but basically i used an app called seconds that i had to buy in the app store it wasn't that expensive i don't remember the exact price but it it was less than ten dollars and so i have my iphone connected to a bluetooth speaker and basically what i did with this app seconds is i set intervals for the you know each of the periods and the intermissions and the nice thing about this app is that you can set music tracks for each interval. It's an interval timer. It's made to be like an exercise aid. So if you're doing different exercises, it times out your sets for you. But I figure I can use it just as well to time out a hockey game. So basically, I have it programmed to play a different music track for each set. And I edited the tracks so that they are exactly times for the periods or for the intermissions so that at the proper time in the track, it'll play like last minute or, you know, it'll it'll start with the whistle or it'll blow a horn at 30 seconds before for, for the intermission. I have it set to blow 30 seconds before we start the period so we know you know, when we have to line up and what have you. So, you know, obviously you don't have to use the same setup, but if you want to set up a timekeeper on the cheap, you can consider something like that. It's really brilliant and it takes it to a whole other level of fun and excitement. So really, thank you so much for coming up with all of that. It's really brilliant and it it makes a big difference. The only problem is if I get a call during the game. (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> my phone starts, you know, playing a ringtone through the speaker because it's, you know, my phone. And uh, or if I get a text and that throws everybody off temporarily. 
Well, that's right. Yeah, you you even have the speaker set up for it too, so you can hear it loud and mm-hmm. clear. So yeah, and, and you know, use whatever setup works best for you. But that's what we do, and it works well for us. So you might want to consider that if you're trying to set up something yourself. Yeah, and another reason to come out and join the LIQ. We could definitely use more players, and uh, if you like playing and you're a fun, good teammate, come on out and check it out. But if and- you are intent on making your own league, which is equally viable and great because, you know, we're all about growing the sport of deck hockey. Uh, Another thing you want to make sure to do is that find some friends to play with and you want to make sure that everybody is actually able to play physically, like that they are in good enough shape. You don't have to be in peak Olympic shape to play deck hockey, especially if you're just, you know, amateurs that are messing around. But by the same token, you don't want anybody having a heart attack out in the middle of the uh, the court or the rink. So just make sure that whoever you're playing with is able to play. Excellent. Yes. Another thing is speaking of that level. Uh, in that vein is make mandatory or at least strongly recommend players wear protective gear like mouth guards, helmets, hockey gloves, elbow pads, and shin guards and the like. Because again, you don't want anybody going to the hospital for any reason. You're just there to have fun. Yeah. And like Gary always says, don't be that guy. Plus, plus, you know, for purely selfish reasons, if somebody's hurt, you're probably going to want to stop play at least temporarily to tend to them. And you don't want to have to stop the game in the middle. You know, who wants to stop? You're right in the middle of an intense competitive game and somebody's laying on the ground bleeding and you have to stop playing. I mean, who wants to do that? No, just do yourself a favor. Make sure everybody's wearing some semblance of protective gear so that they don't have to stop playing because nobody wants that. <laughs> yeah. Wow, you're tough, man. Um, I'm a hockey player. That's right. That's right. Uh, So more for the environment and play problems to avoid now is, for example, if you do wear your shin guards, and I definitely recommend you get a pair of shin guards, and they're not too expensive. Mm -hmm. There are various places you could find good quality shin guards, and they'll even help you with sizing and all that stuff too. But to keep your shin guards in place without tape, uh, the Rhino Mac has a solution for that too. Yeah, so there's a company named AR makes something called uh, shin sleeves, and they're basically these compression sleeves that are meant to. Uh, James was trying to explain this to me before. I still don't entirely get it, but basically hold your muscles in place to better promote circulation and prevent injury. I'm not quite sure how that works, but regardless, that's what they're for. You can get them pretty cheaply. If you get them like a size up, you can pull them on over your shin guards and they will hold very tightly and the the shin guards will stay in place. So you don't have to buy tape and and use rolls of tape every time you play. You just pull these things on, you pull them off and Bob's your uncle. (laughs) Another great Rhino Mac invention. Also, finding methods of practicing alone, that's a problem that I've always had. We've addressed this in Hit the Decks in the past because I live in a small place. There's limited space and limited place to practice. So even just trying to practice stick handling and and shooting, one of the problems that I have with my shot is it's not accurate. So one thing I need to do is go home during the weeks where we're not playing or the days we're not playing and try and make sure I could keep my shot down and low and follow through properly. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of room to do that, so I have to be a little bit creative with that. So that's one thing that you 
can think of beforehand if you just want to get better. You could obviously stick handle while you're watching a game or TV and things of that nature. And uh, definitely have a separate stick if you can and at least a separate puck or ball to keep inside so you're not bringing in all the germs and filth from the outside. Mm -hmm. But that's just something you need to consider too is that, yeah, you want to have fun and it's not serious, so to speak. But you do, in order to have fun, you want to be able to play well and help out your team as best you can. So practice is definitely something that you should do and think about beforehand. Yeah, and so another thing with regards to your equipment is you're going to want to make sure you have plenty of balls on hand in case you you know want to practice beforehand and uh, make sure that or or if you here's a tip if you are playing and ball gets shot out of play and you have like a running timer then have another ball handy so you can just throw another ball in play and continue that way you don't have to waste a lot of time going to get it during the game and obviously you're going to want something to shoot the balls into so you're going to want to grab yourself a couple of nice sturdy nets now they don't have to be like nhl quality nets because those are pretty expensive and you also have to consider transport you know so make sure either you have a truck big enough to hold two nets that are assembled or be able to assemble them and break them down at the place that you're playing as we do and here's the thing with the nets so if you're starting fresh basically with a bunch of of people who don't know what they're doing what we did when we started playing because most of us had never played hockey regularly we started with intermediate nets which are four by three and we pretty quickly outgrew them and we moved to the regulation size nets which are six by four so you can start with the nets but my advice would be and you know do what you want but my advice would be just to start out with the regulation nets and you're gonna have some pretty high scoring games at first if you don't have goalies who know what they're doing but you will adjust to them surprisingly quickly as the goalies get comfortable and you get comfortable, you know, so do whatever you're comfortable with. But I would advise, you know, personally, I would recommend starting out from that place unless, you know, you're talking about kids, in which case that's a whole different discussion, I think. And another thing with equipment, I would recommend getting everybody to chip in. Like if you're playing with a bunch of guys or girls, don't discriminate because, you know, Trust me, don't discriminate. Get everybody to chip in or as many people as you can chip in because you really, hockey can get expensive quick and you don't want one or two people shouldering the entire cost. So spread it out as much as you can. Excellent advice. Absolutely. So from there, all you need now is uh, to locate a place to play. Now, if you decide to play on a street, that is fine. Uh, ideally, it would be on a uh, dead end street so you don't have to worry about traffic coming and going. If of course, people watching movies like um, Wayne's World and such, you know all about that. Car! But, exactly. Or clerks. Yep. And from experience, Gary and I growing up in Brooklyn and Queens and playing street hockey and, uh, and wiffle ball and, and stickball and things of that nature, you know, we're not old, but the traffic was pretty bad when we were growing up. Now it's just ridiculous. I don't think you have a chance to even get a play or two on without three cars barreling down at you at any given time. Yeah, it's tough. So it is. And again, if you're on the street, the sewers are your worst enemy. Yep. They hate you. They, they hate you. 
they do and they're hungry. They want to eat whatever object you're you're using to to play with. If you're playing with a ball, they want to eat with a balls. If you're playing hockey, they want to eat hockey pucks and they will get them. I guarantee you that. So <laughs> Exactly. They don't give them back either. So that's the worst part among everything. And then if you like Gary said, recommended if you don't have enough hockey pucks and and hockey balls to play with, game over. So that's no fun. So definitely at least block them off with a hockey bag or something or just make sure you don't play near them because an errant shot or something guaranteed it's going in those sewers. So just keep that in mind. Also parked cars that could uh, make the playing surface much narrower. And if there are nice cars on the block, uh, I'm somewhat of a car buff, so I wouldn't want to scratch those you wouldn't cars. want to have to buff out the cars. Exactly right. And, uh, and and being a guy who owns not a very nice car, but uh, I'd appreciate it if people wouldn't abuse it. So I would do the same courtesy to other people's property. So just keep that in mind as well. James is down with OPP. Yeah. I, I'm... I'm uh, see, that that not only does that make me old, that reference, but... I also don't actually understand what I'm saying because I was never into that kind of music. So uh, you know that that's a that's a twofer. That's a that's a doubly poor reference on my part. There's an assist and a goal. So well done. Yeah. Um, so if you don't play on a street, that's great. You don't have to worry about any of those things. One of the things that we do is we play in a handball court. So. It's not as long as a side street would be or obviously a uh, hockey-specific rink, Mm. a roller hockey rink would be. But uh, believe it or not, you do get enough cardio in and and it doesn't take that much of an adjustment to go to playing into a street or in a rink. And also it's enclosed, so that helps a lot for errant shots and things of that nature. So you're always at least – majority of the time if if you make an errant shot or the puck goes somewhere where it's not supposed to you'll be able to retrieve it quickly and get back to playing as quickly as possible as gary mentioned before as well Mm. so that's something else to consider and of course you won't be playing at all if you can't get enough players to field a uh, a couple of teams so here's an important thing it is a good idea to get a, a pool of players to draw from because not everybody is going to be available every time you want to play. But it's also important to remember that, you know, people have lives, people have schedules, but people also enjoy doing this. So don't get discouraged if you have a week or two where you can't play or, you know, whatever interval you decide to play. If you if you want to play monthly or then there's a month that you can't do it, don't get discouraged because, you know, you just have to keep plugging at it, and it's worth it. It's worth the investment of time, and, you know, it's it, it pays off. Yeah, amen to that. We do speak from experience there, too. And when that does happen, hopefully you have at least one good friend that uh, preferably someone who plays another position, like if you're friends with a goalie like I am. You could always say, hey, if, if you're around, take some shots on you, and you could just practice and, and just get a little bit better for the next time that everybody plays. But, uh, yeah, it's exactly Stick with it, and the more consistent you get, the more people will show up, and it it should get a little bit easier. But obviously, you have things like weather to deal with, and exactly, people have lives and other commitments, so just keep that in mind. But when you do get the games together, 
hopefully you'll get a same group of people who will be enthusiastic about it and will show up. And that's the benefit of the LIQ has, has seen this, you know, firsthand as well in that uh, you have Facebook and uh, Twitter and emails and things. So you can definitely texting. It's pretty easy to to keep a good core of people together to make sure that you have the best chance of playing regularly. Okay, check this out. So, <clears throat> so James, if I am considering jumping into deck hockey for the first time, what would you recommend wearing on my legs? Very funny you should say that, as a matter of fact. As we peer into the gear bag, I highly recommend, if you are a forward or defenseman, the Tour Spartan Pro Roller Hockey Pant. Now, personally, I think that these roller hockey pants, and yes, it's it's okay to use roller hockey pants in deck hockey, they are much better than sweatpants, <laughs> and I wouldn't even attempt to play in jeans. Just don't even do it. But I have, when I first started playing roller hockey, I had roller, uh, excuse me, I had sweatpants, and those get eaten up really quickly. Mm-hmm. So... The benefit of the specific roller hockey pants is that they are much more durable. They're designed specifically for roller hockey and deck hockey so that they can fit over your shin guards properly and any other equipment you have. And they are comfortable and flow well and they clean up quickly too. So they're waterproof to a certain extent if you're playing in the rain and things. Mm -hmm. And uh, really, I, I totally recommend. It took me a while to find a good pair. Uh, did a lot of research on that. So especially for being a defenseman, I'm a type of guy that that is really hard and, and goalies are harder on their hockey pants as well because you have to block shots and you're going up and down a lot and maybe sliding and doing things of that nature. So the Tour Spartan Pro did some research on those and they seem to be pound for pound the best out there. They are thick and durable enough, yet still lightweight. And they've lasted quite a few years. I've had them for a while. So for about three years, played hard with them on all different surfaces. The, the surface that we play on regularly is, is very rough, and they've still endured that. Uh, Gary taught me how to sew, so that's come in handy a few times as well. Unfortunately, I'm not very good at it, so the things that I did sew, they popped quickly. But again, they are good enough and durable enough to hold up, and they protect the shin guards as well from getting too scratched up and then after getting a new pair of, of shin guards. So expect holes to be put in them but not shredded where you'd have to buy a new pair every so often like if you would with uh, sweatpants. And the only other thing with, with my pair is that the belt buckle broke, but I was able to to jerry-rig that to, to fix that. And they are very comfortable. They held up quite well, very usable, and I'm not looking to buy a new pair anytime soon. Thank you, James. And uh, at this point, I would just like to clarify as we seem to need to do anytime we address a topic of this nature. James is talking about, like, pants pants that you would wear on your legs, uh, not the hockey pants, which is to say the protective girdle that people playing roller hockey or ice hockey would play, in, uh, which only go down to uh, about your knees. And, and, in fact, the roller pants that James is talking about would not fit over the hockey pants if if you were wearing them i mean i guess you'd wear them under the hockey pants if it came to it but uh uh, that's neither here nor there i just want to make sure that we're clear on what we're actually talking about since hockey terminology can be a little confusing in that regard yes thank you very much another great save by the american rhino Hmm. exactly these are full-length pants 
and they are specifically designed for roller and deck hockey too. So yeah, they, they go from your thigh all the way down to your ankles or maybe even a little lower than that. So thank you for that. Exactly. They sure. do have a little padding on them, but they're not designed to, they're nowhere near the amount of padding that traditional ice hockey pants have. So you do still need to wear your shin guards. And if, if you can invest in some uh, undergarments that have padding on them, especially if you're a defenseman, if you're sliding and doing things like that, you mm -hmm. definitely need those because the pants themselves don't compensate for that. So, But they are designed to fit over those things properly and uh, comfortably. So if you're interested in buying a pair, go into a search engine online and type in Tor Spartan Pro Inline Pants. And that's T-O-U-R, Spartan, S-P-A-R-T-A-N, Pro Inline Pants. And they usually range from 40 to $75, and they're pretty much readily available online. And uh, you shouldn't have too much problems finding different uh, colors and whatever your needs are. So In fact, James, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Mm -hmm. In fact, sure. James has recolored his pants to uh, yeah. line up with the color scheme of his Liquidators jersey. So, you know, they're, uh, <laughs> apparently they, they take marker well. Yeah, if, if you're interested in that, right, if you're interested in that, I'd be happy to tell you about it, but <laughs> it's very true and guilty as charged, so sorry about that. No, they look good. The the, the neon <laughs> green kind of uh highlights with the yeah, I like it. I dig it, man. Cool, thank you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so how about yourself? Do you have um any specifics that you use for obviously if if you can, if you could use the actual hockey pants since you are in goal? Yeah, so what here's the thing i i do wear in goal i do wear hockey pants i don't wear goalie pants because just playing deck with a ball i don't need as much protection as if i were playing with a puck but i i so i wear forward hockey pants or you know skater hockey pants uh i believe that i have bauer is my kind of a pair i got i had a problem where um the clasps where they attach to the suspenders and you have to get um like suspenders also uh, i would recommend if you're wearing proper hockey pants but that's neither here nor there so the like the the studs where they attach the uh, suspenders were ripping out and so i got another pair that i could switch to but i think they were graph but uh i don't like that pair as much so i decided to just repair my original pair of bauer pants and uh those are the ones that i generally use but um yeah so i've i've kind of gone off on a tangent <clears throat> but that's another benefit to knowing how to sew and being able to repair your own gear to an extent because it'll save you money and you'll also be able to use the stuff that you're comfortable with but we've talked about that on previous podcasts so uh yeah i i wear the the hockey pants and a cup underneath but I wear all of that over what I just show up in and what I put my gear over is uh, it's just a pair of champion workout pants. It's a champion brand workout pants. They were I got them on sale. I have a couple pair. I got them on sale for like 10 bucks. I think they're normally 20 at Models or or on Amazon. I was also able to find them, but they're they're very light. They're almost too light actually, but for my purposes, you know, because I, I wear a bunch of stuff over them so they don't need to be protective and they don't need to, you know, cling to me necessarily. They're pretty light and I 
have holes in in the knees because as a goalie I drop down and I you know my pads don't always protect me depending on how they move and how I move so I wear knee pads underneath them because you need to protect your knees especially if your your pads move and uh, I wear the pads over them uh, and knee pads under them and they go on my legs and they serve me quite well so you know I would say as a goalie, I know a lot of goalies wear shorts, which I think is, for my own personal taste, that's a little bit too living on the edge for me because, as I said, if your pads move, you're going to lose a lot of skin. But, you know, that's me. And your mileage may vary. But, uh, yeah, you don't need a lot wearing uh, under the pads. You, You just need something that's comfortable, basically. Yeah, so hopefully that was the idea that we just kind of gave you an idea as to what to look for if you're a goalie or if you're a forward and or defenseman. Mm-hmm. So, you know, go out there and play deck hockey. Go, go, go. Why are you still listening to this? No, you know what? Finish this. Finish the podcast, then play deck. Yeah, you, know, you could actually play while listening to the podcast, although it would make communication with your teammates hard. So finish the podcast in pregame and then go out and play. Excellent. Like while you're warming up, give it, you know, something to listen to while you're, you're shooting, doing your shooting drills or stretching or whatever. We provide a service here on the Hit the Deck podcast, and that's, I'll get back to you. <laughs> I'll so, figure it out eventually. So speaking of gear. Yes, sir. The good. Let's talk about gear, the bad. Well, bad is maybe painting with too broad a brush, but... Uh, Let's say uh, we're cautious. We have some trepidation. Look, I'll be honest with you. Exactly. Gary is much more uh, straight down the middle than I am. But uh, I haven't forgiven Fox for this at all, especially being a Ranger fan and seeing uh, Brian Leach almost get killed because of the stupid glowing puck. But, uh, you know, Halloween is a month away and Jason does run around with an old style goalie mask. There you go. Yeah, something even scarier has come back to life (gasps) and the Rhino Mac has discovered what it is. Ah, 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 Yeah, so (laughs) the, the, the infamous Fox glow puck that reared its ugly head in the 90s um, and was the bane of many a hockey fan's existence. For those of you who don't remember, Fox had developed this Fox Track system to attract casual viewers to the game of hockey. And the, the, the puck, as it moved around the ice, had a blue glow around it, so everybody would be able to follow it, even when it was behind the boards. And... and when you shot the puck really hard, when they took a slap shot, it had this red comet trail behind it. Like you were playing a cartoon or, you know, like like you were playing a video game. Basically, a, a bad video game is what it looked like. And it only lasted a few years. Uh, as James said, the Brian Leach almost got killed with one of these things because they were like weighted differently or or put together differently than a conventional hockey puck 
and, um, and they couldn't be frozen. That that was yeah. Yeah, they they couldn't be frozen, so they they reacted differently under game conditions. And it, you know, it was expensive for the network because these things cost a ton of money to make, and so they'd have to like go into the stands and retrieve the <laughs> hockey pucks. Uh, or try to retrieve the hockey pucks when they were shot out of play. And it's, uh, yeah, it was it was kind of a mess. And it, it's gone down in history as being a huge mistake and a, a terrible idea. And it's back! <laughs> um, it not, well, let me, let me qualify that, because that's not entirely accurate. The glow puck system is not back, what is back is the technology. And uh, so as James uh, mentioned in the on deck, uh, per an article by Vipal Manga in the Wall Street Journal, the uh, one of the developers of the Glowpuck, one of the uh, primary developers of the Glowpuck, originally when it was the Foxtrack system, has since gone to work for a company named Sports Vision, which is the same company that developed the technology in the NFL, which allows them to project the uh, the yellow yardage line, the the first down line. For those of you who watch football, they, they but basically they're able to digitally insert these markers on the uh, television broadcast, so the home viewer can see, you know, uh, where the the first down is and even though it's not physically on the field in the stadium uh the magic of computers and even though the article didn't say this i suspect it's a similar technology to the advertising replacement that we were discussing in the last podcast uh the, the you know the digital replacement of what's actually in the arena um or or at least overlaying what's in the arena with uh computer generated advertising but um, so the idea behind this updated version of the Glowpuck, it's using an updated version of that technology. And they're actually using it now. They're using it during the World Cup of Hockey or, or we're using it, I guess. So it, right under our very noses. Can you believe the gall of these people to bring it back without even giving us the uh, the consideration of telling us so we could complain about it. <sighs> I wouldn't have known about it either if it wasn't for <laughs> the Rhino Max hard nose uh, journalism skills. Yeah, but basically the idea behind bringing this back is not so they can put a purple glow around the puck and you know make it do curly cues when they shoot it. Um, the uh, the idea is that they're able to track the puck around the ice in real time and it will feed them information about speed and trajectory and it'll help the network that's using it to give very accurate, uh, like on replays and such, give very accurate information about the trajectory of the puck and the speed. And, and that's just for the television broadcast for the actual teams, like the coaching staff and what have you, it gathers all this information about where the puck moves and how fast it moves and how it moves. So the analytics of it will, I mean, you talk about your uh, money ball type, uh, you know, fancy stats. It'll give the coaches one more thing that they can analyze and, and micromanage into the game. That's a very cynical way of looking at it, but it'll, I, I think it's going to, 
give another a whole different dimension to the tape room, the video room, and and uh, the way that people analyze the way the game is played. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think from the way I've been talking about it, you can kind of get an idea of the way I'm leaning. But you know, my own opinions notwithstanding, it is potentially a tool that can be used to great effect by coaching staffs if they figure out a good way to use this data. Yeah, totally. It's kind of um, life imitating art in a way where we've been had we've had the ability to see the NHL franchise, the electronic arts hockey game, video game go from its infancy all the way up to I mean, it's so realistic nowadays and the graphics are phenomenal and the gameplay is so realistic and so on and so forth. So with all the data that you get on a video game, they're kind of incorporating that into the real world, into the actual hockey in real life, as Gary said, with, with the World Cup of Hockey going on now. And the good thing is exactly the, the puck doesn't glow anymore. It doesn't do any of that silly, campy nonsense that Fox thought was a great idea and it was the worst idea ever. So you can't see any of that stuff anymore. Thank Don't God. hold back, James. Tell us how you really feel. Exactly right. So the hockey pucks themselves are loaded with tracking chips and the players, and this article calls them sweaters, by the way, their sensors on the players' sweaters, or we like to call jerseys, so they could get two forms of data from the puck itself and from the players, too. I do remember hearing that, I think it was the MLS in soccer, mm-hmm. They came up with this technology, too, where they put a chip in the player and was able to see how much. Well, I'm sure they didn't put a chip in the player. That uh, excuse would, me, in his I shirt. Mean, yeah, maybe. Or, I don't yeah. know what goes on in Europe. But uh, or, or actually, MLS is American, so uh, I don't I don't know what they do over in, in the, those crazy soccer uh, leagues. But um, I'm waving my hands around again. I don't know why I do this. James, you should call me on this nonsense. But um, no, yeah, I don't I'm, I don't know what I what they do in soccer or football as they call it. But uh, forget it. I'm no help. I'm the one that says they put the stinking thing in the player himself. Uh, bend over and cough. This will only hurt for a second. <laughs> It's like Total Recall or something. Anyway, so Um. they were able to track the the soccer player or football player, how much much he ran and how long he was on the pitch. And his heart rate and and important information like that. So now they're kind of doing that with with hockey and the World Cup of Hockey. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, another cool thing is that the company Sports Vision, to develop and test the pucks, they actually said that they shot them through cannons at speeds up to 135 miles an hour. So mm. these things are tried and true, and I believe they could still freeze the puck, which is extremely important. Mm-hmm. That's why I get back to the Brian Leach thing. The puck was not frozen with the Fox tracks because it would have the, – the, the technology at the time – it wouldn't have been able to uh, glow because it, the temperature or whatever the case was. But if you do not freeze the hockey pucks, they don't glide on the ice. That's the whole reason why they freeze them. Mm-hmm. And Brian Leach was stick handling. He's a great pl- We all know what a great player Brian Leach was. So he was doing what he was doing. He had his head up. And then lo and behold, that stupid puck got stuck on the ice. He put his head down for a split second and some goon leveled him for it. So, again, I'm not bitter. Do I sound too bitter? Maybe a little. It's, uh, that, that's all uh, in, in, in the rearview mirror of the new pucks nowadays. 
Plus, with all the sensors on the jerseys, I'm sure the players look forward to be able to be uh, to to play laser tag during intermission. You know, I, I know I would enjoy that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, hey, technology marches on. Yes. Less Indeed. Remaining in the podcast. All right. Okay. We've made it through another one, James. High five. Well, you can't high five because we're our air high five. We're this is an audible medium. People can't even see us trying to whatever. Anyway. Thank you for putting up with us for another episode of the Hit the Deck podcast. We hope that you got something valuable out of it. Thank you, as always, James, for being my more sensible companion and and keeping the podcast on track and really doing all the heavy lifting and and putting this thing together. Thank you to Pops for being the voice of the podcast, for the LIQ, for sound effects. As always, thank you to bro, Anthony Sejazi, who put together music used in the podcast we would like to encourage you if you want to open a dialogue please contact us feel free to email us at hit the deck at gmail.com and of course you can tweet at us at hit the deck pod on the twitters um <laughs> on the tweeter as it as it were um please subscribe to the podcast on itunes or stitcher or any other number of places. Hit up our YouTube channel where we will continue to roll out enjoyable content for your benefit and pleasure, your personal pleasure. <laughs> and uh, I'm sorry, there's something wrong with me. I got nothing. James, what do you want to, what have I forgotten? What do you want to throw in? What, what, save me. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You are my only hope. We are in bigger trouble than we thought then. But uh, yeah, if you'd like to also hit us up on Facebook and Instagram as well. It's at Hit the Deck on both cases. And uh, thank you to Podbean for our strict home of Hit the Deck. And Gary, you are the man. It's extremely entertaining when you do your thing. So God bless you, sir. And thank you. Thank you, James. And remember, if you are putting together your own deck hockey league or if you're playing in someone else's, Whatever you're wearing and whatever puck you're using, please remember, it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. And I've completely forgotten what I do here. Um, I had a brain freeze from that imaginary ice cream. <laughs>